Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, we continue our journey through the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. Last week, we were introduced in the book of Genesis to one of the main characters in the book of Genesis. And frankly, he's one of the main characters throughout all of the Bible, if you pay attention. His name is Abram. And soon his name will be changed to Abraham, but more about that in the coming weeks. Last week, we focused on how Abram had faith in God, plain and simple. God made a promise to him. Abram trusted that promise. God said to Abram, get up and move you and your family to the promised land. And Abram did it. That was the beginning of Genesis chapter 12, as we've been walking our way systematically through Genesis over the last number of weeks. That was the beginning of Genesis chapter 12, Abram trusted God. We're going to skip today into Genesis 16, and so we're going over chapters 13, 14, and 15. Uh, but if you want to read it on your own, you can. <clears throat> and frankly, what happens mostly in that is that God continues to remind Abram of his promise, and Abram mostly continues to trust in God. And one of the most key phrases in there is this covenant that God makes with Abram, Genesis 15, verse 5. I'll read it for you. Abram, or God had said this. Abram looked toward the heaven, to the heavens, and number the stars, if you are able even to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and, and God counted it to him as righteousness. So in those, in those chapters, uh, in the section that we're skipping over, God kept reminding Abram of the promise, and Abram kept believing. The story that we're being introduced to today in Genesis 16, which was read for you today, uh, I'm going to say today has two sides of the story. And I'm going to present to you both sides of the story, and, and I'm going to ask you to, to figure out which side of the story you relate to most at this point in your life. So here's the first side of the story. The main character is Abram and Sarah. Abram and Sarah, they had received the promise from God that they would have a multitude of descendants. God had essentially said to them, you are going to be great. Your name is going to be great. I'm going to bless you. You're going to have numerous possessions and numerous people. But it wasn't seeming to come true for them. They were waiting and they were waiting and they were waiting. And so eventually here in Genesis 16, they just take matters into their own hands. Here's what happened, and I'm going to retell the story for you today. God had promised Abram offspring. He had promised him children, a multitude of children. Yet his wife, Sarai, was barren. She couldn't have kids. Some of you in this room have been in that place yourselves as well. You've desired to have children. You've wanted to have kids, yet your bodies just wouldn't cooperate. And if, if, if not you personally, I'm sure that you know somebody like that. And, and if that's you, you, you understand the frustration, the, 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 the anger, the, the hardship, the pain, the heartbreak of desiring those children and not being able to have them. So Abram and Sarah must have felt much the same. And you can just maybe imagine along with me the conversations that they must have had that aren't recorded in the scripture. And sure, Sarai said something to Abram like, hey, Abram, maybe, maybe the promise is just to you. 
God never mentioned my name. Maybe he talked to you. Maybe, maybe it's just through you and through your uh, ability to have children and not mine. Maybe that's what it is, Abram. You can imagine Abram responding, I don't know, Sarah. We're married, right? God said to us, but I don't know. We're getting old. You're right. You're getting old. I don't know what we're supposed to do. And so here's what happened. Abram and Sarai took matters into their own hands. Sarai had an Egyptian slave, and her name was Hagar. All right, we skipped over some, a section of scripture. You can go home and read it in detail. But at the end of Genesis 12, Abram and Sarai had fled down to Egypt for a short time to get away from a famine. And Abram lied that Sarai was his sister and not his wife. Maybe this is ringing a bell. And after that, Pharaoh found out and Pharaoh kicked them out. But when he kicked them out, he sent them with a whole bunch of possessions and so likely, Hagar came as one of those possessions and wealth that they got from Egypt. Anyways, long story short, Abram and, Abram and Sarai take matters into their own hands. Sarai has this slave uh, named Hagar, and Sarai gives Hagar to Abram as a wife. And they conceive a child, and Hagar becomes pregnant. Do you know what it's like to try to force time, to try to make time work according to your schedule. I don't know. Oftentimes, I think that I can control time. I, I have good time management skills, and oftentimes, I, I feel like I can manipulate time as I wish, even though I know full well I can't. <laughs> Just for example, this last week, uh, my wife Abby and I took our kids camping for two nights, uh, it was the first time that Phoebe had spent the night in a tent, and so we had our, our kids with us, and we tried to put Phoebe to sleep in the tent, and let's just say the kid was ready for a party. She wasn't ready for sleeping. I don't know. It could have been the sunlight. Uh, it could have been the new, uh, the new situation, the new place, or it could have been the marshmallows we fed her right before putting her in a tent, you know, parenting mistakes, right? But we, we put her in there, and, and she didn't. She wasn't upset. Actually, she was quite quiet for a while, but then she just got chatty and chatty and kept talking and kept talking. We even put the other kids to sleep, and she tried to talk to them, and Abby and I are sitting around the fire, and Phoebe just would not go to sleep. She wasn't mad, but I just remember getting frustrated, but not like mad, just, I don't know what the word for it is, but I just, I mattered, I couldn't do anything about this. And so I just remember thinking, like, willing the sun to set, you know, like, oh. Come on, you can do it. You know, just like willing the child to go to sleep. But I couldn't control anything about it. It's just that, that heartfelt desire to control time. You know what I mean, right? I didn't do anything different. Eventually, you know, time settled in and she fell asleep. But we oftentimes try to manipulate or control life, even in the simplest moments, like trying to get a kid to go to sleep. I told you that there are two sides of the story. First, the side of Abram and Sarai. And what we learn on this side of the story, what we learn is that even those who desperately want to believe God may find it almost impossible to keep faith alive when all the evidence argues against it. Abram and Sarai are getting old. Time is going on. God said you're going to have kids, and they're going, how is this even possible? They desperately wanted to believe God, but all the evidence is pointing away from that. And even those who desire it have a hard time even to keep faith 
alive. That's what we learn on this side of the story. On the other side of the story, we have Hagar. Hagar is the Egyptian slave of Sarai. Hagar is, just think that she is a slave. She was sold into slavery. She is mistreated. She's been abandoned, taken from her own family. She's vulnerable. And yet what we're going to find out is that God reaches out to her, and God fills her life with a hopeful promise. Here's what happened. Again, Sarai was barren. She couldn't have kids, and so she offers Hagar to her husband for Hagar to be another wife to Abram to have a child. Now, this might seem weird to us at the time, but at the, at the time and place where Abram and Sarai were living, it was legal for, uh, for a servant to have a child, and for that child, through the servant, to have a legal ability to, to, to have the inheritance of the father. Does that make sense? So, so while it might seem culturally weird to us, and it also was not God's design for Abram and Sarai in their marriage, and frankly, it's not God's design for them in the promise either. All I'm saying is you can kind of understand it from a human standpoint that Abram and Sarai kind of said, maybe this is the culturally relevant thing for us to do, the cultural norm, to take matters into our own hands and have a child through this slave. So here's what happens. She becomes a wife. She becomes pregnant. And when she's pregnant, she feels humiliated. She feels mistreated. Rightly so. This wasn't her plan. This wasn't her desire. Right? This wasn't her desire. She had been sold into slavery. She was abandoned and vulnerable. And she had been taken under the trusted wing of Sarai. And now Sarai does this to her? So the Bible says that, Sarah, that Hagar gets upset with Sarai. And Sarai, Sarai goes to her husband. And she says, Abram... Hagar is upset with me. What should I do? And Abram says, she's your slave. You can handle her how you see fit. So the Bible says that Sarah came to Hagar and it says she treated her harshly. Whatever that means, you can let your imagination go. She treated her harshly. What a sad story. This vulnerable woman was, is now impregnated and treated harshly. And so what does Hagar do? Hagar then flees off into the desert. She's heading, the, the, if you follow the map, on her way to Egypt. Maybe she's fleeing on her way to go back home. But it is a vast desert wilderness, and so she stops by a spring to get some relief. And God comes to her. God Almighty comes to this slave girl, and he speaks to her, and he calls her out by name. And he says, Hagar, Hagar. God calls to this vulnerable slave girl who's running and fleeing. He calls her by name. He calls her by name. And he gives to her a promise. A promise that is parallel to the promise of Abram. He says to Hagar, slave girl, your descendants will be numerous. Your descendants will be numerous. He even speaks to her and he says, the child you have, his name will be Ishmael. And the Bible says, gives this description of him that he will be a wild donkey of a man. Which, I don't know, when I read that, I go, I have no idea what that means, right? He'll be a wild donkey of a man. It doesn't seem like a compliment, but it's actually a compliment. Because unlike Hagar, who is a slave, he will be free and subject to no one. 
And God instructs Hagar to go back to Abram and Sarai. Not really to support their mistreatment, but frankly because for Hagar, as a pregnant woman, to make that journey to Egypt, it was just going to be way too dangerous. So she should go back and have the protection of Abram and Sarai, and God will take care of things. Throughout our world today, there are modern-day Hagar's all over the place. Fleeing war-torn worlds, there are women, oftentimes who have children already, who are seeking safe refuge in countries and worlds unknown to them. Fleeing what would be a certain death for them, they find refuge somewhere else, and oftentimes these women and these children are mistreated just as Hagar was. Sometimes they are promised a false hope and a false blessing, saying that a better thing is coming, and sometimes, often, in parts of this world, they are even sold into slavery. I know it's hard to understand, but it happens all the time. Their stories are numerous, and I'm sure that some of you resonate with Hagar's side of the story. Maybe not that you're seeking safe refuge, but that you feel vulnerable. You feel broken and beaten and at the bottom of life right now, and you're wondering what God is going to do with you. See, on this side of the story, what we learn is that realizing God is in control of a given situation is the only antidote to despair. Hagar had nothing left. She was at rock bottom. She was fleeing. She was in a desperate situation. She was going to die in the wilderness, and God called out to her. She had to trust in this promise of God, as that was her only hope for survival. My dear friends in Christ, as I tell you both sides of this story, no matter what situation that you are in, I have to remind you that God is in control. No matter what stage of life you are in, God is in control. Whether you are trusting in God's promises, and maybe even you're trying to take matters into your own hands and you're doing the wrong thing, God is still in control over you. Whether you're on the other side and you feel abandoned by God and beaten and broken and at the bottom, God is still in control. I don't know how many times that we need to hear this and I need to preach it to you, but I can tell you that this is not going to be the last as I need to hear this word daily, that God is God and God is in control. Some of you, are resonating more with Abram and Sarai right now. At this stage of your life, you're waiting fervently for something. Maybe you sense that God is moving in your life in a certain way. You can see something happening on the precipice, and you're just wondering and crying out, when? How long, O oh Lord, do I have to wait? Some of you are on Hagar's side of the story, and you're broken, and you're beaten, and you're at the bottom. And you too find yourself crying out to God, when? How long, O oh Lord, do I have to wait? And so here's where it all comes together. 
At the end of the day, on both sides of the story, God does not abandon either one. God never gives up on his promises to his people. So God had made the promise to Abram and Sarah that they would have descendants. They take matters into their own hands, and what does God do? He does not abandon them. He actually doesn't abandon the promise to them. Eventually, and we'll get to it later, they do have a son. They do have a son. God doesn't abandon them. On Hagar's side of the story, God doesn't abandon her either. God had said, I'm going to make your descendants numerous, and I'll be with you, and I'll bless you. And God does. If you want to skip ahead, it's in Genesis 21. You can read more about God fulfilling his promise to Hagar and to Ishmael and the descendants of that lineage as well. So what can we take from this story, from both sides of the story? We need to remember that as humans, as Christian people living in this world, our God never changes. God is in control, and he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Therefore, his love for you is the same yesterday and today and forever. This means that no matter what you do, no matter what you fail to do, no matter what you do wrong or no matter where you find yourself, no matter what the world does to you, you are loved. You are children of God. Your sins are already paid for and eternal life is already yours. You are alive in Christ. Jesus has promised to never leave you, never forsake you, never abandon you, and I just simply say that is true. It is true. Whether you are waiting for more or you are wanting more, God is, a, is in control of it all, and God will never give up on his promise to you. Never. In his name.